right, today is a very, very special day. Um, first off, it's just so good to be back together. It's just such a joy to be able to do that. Now, for some of you, it's a little bit of a challenge because you got comfortable you know, being able to eat breakfast while you're listening to the sermon. You could get up and leave and see if Drew is still talking when you came back, you know, in case you had to do a little errand, that, that kind of thing. And, and probably the most important thing is you were able to really relax at home, right? I mean, you could, you could go to church in your sleep pants, right? Right? I, here's the thing. We can't have food here yet, but I give you full permission to wear your sleep pants. In fact, that's actually what I'm wearing today. But it's because of baptism. But, um, you know, you be comfortable. We're just glad that you're here and that we're all together. And today's going to be incredibly special because it's a celebration of baptism. And so I'm going to share for a little bit about what baptism means and what it points to because it's good for all of us to have a, a clear understanding. And then in a few moments, we'll kind of clear things out a little bit and we'll invite those who are coming to be baptized uh, to come forward, they're going to share a little bit of what God is doing in their heart and their life, and it is the best thing. I, I, here's the thing I promise you. My message may not be very good, but the message that the Lord speaks through them today will be incredible. It always is, and, and I, so I can't wait. So if you're, if you're one of the ones who's getting baptized today, you can go ahead and, and change and get into the, the clothes that you want to be baptized in. And then just come on back in when you're, after you're changed. And if there's anyone here, you're, you're going, I've been wrestling with this. You know, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I'm not sure what it all means. We're going to have baptism again in a couple of weeks. And so if you're interested, you send us an email. We would love to, sh- to talk with you and visit with you. Or if you're ready today and you don't mind getting wet, just come on down, okay? The, the water is nice and cold, and, but welcoming. So we're glad that you're here. Anyway, what is baptism? What is this all about? Why did God give us this, what we call an ordinance, this command to be baptized? Well, the best way for us to start is to look at Jesus' baptism. If you want to understand something in the scripture, the best place to begin is to look at Jesus himself. And so what I want to do is, um, is I want to play just a, a short clip from the Lumo Project of Jesus' baptism that gives us the scripture background to why Jesus was baptized. And so as you watch this, I want you to notice um, why Jesus chooses to be baptized. Because Jesus is absolutely sinless. He is God come in the flesh. He didn't need to be baptized. He never, he never sinned. He was never separated from God. And yet he chooses to do so. And I want you to listen to what he says. And then secondly, I want you to look at the response of God the Father because I think the response that we see in God the Father is the response that everyone who chooses to put their trust in Christ, the same response happens in the heart of the Father. And so if we can play the, the Lumo clip real quick, let's, let's look at it here in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then John consented. Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I think that's a beautiful description, both of the reason why Jesus chose to be baptized and the same reasons why we should be baptized. Again, Jesus is absolutely sinless, and yet why did he choose to be baptized? Well, he says right there in the scripture, he says to fulfill all righteousness. He did so as an example for you and I to follow. In order that we would understand that there's something about baptism that is incredibly significant. And Jesus wanted all those who put their trust in him to take this step of obedience. Now, baptism is a word that we don't use outside of of the church. Baptism actually is a created word. Um, In the original language, in the language of the New Testament, baptizo simply means to immerse in water. That's literally what it means. But because when they were translating the scripture into English, because there were different practices about how a person was baptized, those who were translating it chose to just transliterate the word and turn it into an English-sounding word, baptism rather than to literally translate it with the word immersion. But that's what it means. It means to be immersed in water. And so Jesus chose to follow in this ceremony because he wanted to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to show us that this is an important act of obedience. Also, Jesus chose to be baptized because it brings pleasure to God the Father. The scriptures record when a person turns from their sin and trusts in Christ, there is joy, there is celebration in heaven. Just like the song that we sang, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. In heaven, when we put our trust in Christ Jesus and when we take steps of obedience, there is celebration. There's celebration that's happening. And so today, even though we may not be able to hear with our ears the celebration in heaven, I assure you, when these dear brother and sisters When they take this step of baptism, there will be great joy, not only in this house, but in heaven. We're baptized for the same reasons that Jesus was, with just a little bit of variation. First of all, our baptism shows our union with Christ Jesus, and it's an example for others to follow. It shows that a person has chosen to put their trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it's a picture of. That's what we, what we do when we baptize someone. We use the scriptures saying, buried with Christ in baptism, rise again to walk in newness of life, which comes straight from Romans chapter six. 
And what you see there is a picture of Jesus' death. He died on the cross bearing your sin and my sin and all who would believe in him, and he was buried. And when he was buried, all of our sin was buried with him. But he didn't stay dead. The scriptures record and history has proven the evidence is enormous that Jesus Christ rose back up out of the grave. He rose from the dead. And so when a person being baptized, when they come back up out of the water, it's a symbol of not only do we have union with Jesus' death where the penalty for our sin is paid, but we have union with his resurrection, that you have a new life. I have a new life. Also, baptism is an act of obedience. Jesus commanded for us to be baptized. He says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the joys in our church as an international church is that so often when we celebrate baptism or when we're leading in worship, there are so many different nations that are represented. It's a fulfillment of this command of Jesus and of his authority that we're to take the good news of who he is to every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And this is exactly what the early church did. We read in Acts chapter 2 that Peter, after talking to those who were gathered there about the resurrection of Jesus and the people were convicted in their heart of their own sin, They asked, what should we do? And here's what Peter answered. He said, repent, which means to turn around and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's an act of obedience. It's also an act of worship. Whenever you and I take steps of obedience, it is an expression of worship to the Lord. And that's why I I love how heaven was opened when Jesus comes up out of the water and a voice from heaven speaks so that all the disciples and all those gathered there could hear saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He gave us an example and he brought pleasure to God the Father. Your baptism when you choose to take that step of obedience, along with every other step of obedience that we take, brings God pleasure. I don't know if, if you can really capture what that means, but isn't it amazing to think that the God of the universe, the one who created everything, that his heart would be filled with joy, that his face would light up with a smile because people who place their trust in his son Choose to be obedient. Choose to worship him. And yet that is exactly what he does. So why does God command us to be baptized? Let me take just a couple of moments here, and I want to try to explain it in a way that I learned when I was, when I was very young, and it helped me to understand it. Because it seems a, a little unusual. We don't have other ceremonies that look quite like baptism. So let me give you a a simple illustration about why we are baptized. First of all, baptism doesn't save you or I. 
It is a symbol. And the best way I know to, to connect that to another symbol that we're familiar with is that on December 30th, 1983, long before many of you, maybe even most of you, oh, let me just go ahead and find out. How many of you were alive in 1983? Thank you, all four of you. There's a few more than that. All right, and December 30th, 1983, I was given two incredible gifts. The first gift that I was given was my bride. Yeah. And then my bride, Rebecca, gave me this ring. This, this ring, which has been on my finger, and, and since my knuckles are so much bigger than they were 37 years ago, it will never, ever come off. <laughs> and it hasn't come off. There's, yeah, it, it can't come off, okay? It's, it's there. But it's a symbol of my marriage. It's a symbol of the vows, of the commitment that I made to Rebecca and that Rebecca made to me. That's what baptism is for you and I as a believer. It is a symbol of the commitment that God has made to us and that we make to the Lord. Now, we could have been married and not exchanged rings, and our marriage would have been just as real. Just as a person can be saved without being baptized and their relationship with God is just as real. But the question is, why would we not want to have the symbol as well? Why would we not want to bring pleasure to the Lord, take a step of obedience, and show our union with Christ? Because that's what it ultimately portrays, our union with the Lord. And it also is a reminder for us. Just like when I wear this ring, when I look at it, it's a reminder that my life is committed to my bride. Therefore, it changes how I live. It changes how I look at other people, how I look at other women, because my heart is devoted to one. You see, our baptism is the same thing. It's a time that we in our hearts and our minds can look back to and say, that's the time when I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I said that I will follow him as my Lord. I made a vow to the Lord and the Lord made a vow to me. And therefore, I want to live out of that promise. Not in a legalistic way, not in a way that we're we're fearful, but just like When I look at this ring, I'm reminded of the love that my bride has for me. When I think about my baptism, I'm reminded of the love that God has for me and for you. A love so deep that he was willing to give his very life to prove his love for us. That's the picture. That's the reason why we're baptized, is it reflects our union. Let me read just a few verses here in in Romans chapter 6, and then we're going to go and celebrate baptism together. Romans 6 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's why we're baptized. Baptism represents you and I being united with Christ. 
that we're participating in what he has done for us. And it's incredibly beautiful. Now, this passage is, is talking about, uh, he's responding to questions about, well, if, we're, if, if it's grace, if it's a free gift, then does it matter how we live? And it's an, it's, the understanding is this. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation. It is a free gift of God. None of us deserve it. I certainly do not. But God willingly gives it to us. But with that gift, it should change how I live. If I was to, um, as a married man, if I was to live as if I was single, it wouldn't reflect the love of my bride or the love that I should have for her. If I didn't choose to live with her and be faithful to her, it would not reflect the union that we have. The same is true for us spiritually. We have been united with Christ, and therefore we have, first of all, great assurance because just like when a person goes down into the water and they're covered completely over with the water, all of your sin, all the penalty of everything that we've done wrong, all of our selfishness, the penalty for all that is covered over. It is united with Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross in dying for us, and it was buried with him. That's what this, this passage means. And so it means that it should change how we live. And it says also that not only should it change how we live, but we're to understand that we have died to sin. Therefore, how can we live in it any longer? And that doesn't work anymore. So this is really good, because now I'll be shorter. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is why... I am obsessive and always have more than one option here. So it shows us being united with Christ. And we, we, there's a, a dynamic that comes with that, that that is this. Jesus Christ not only died for us as our substitute, he paid the price that you and I could not pay. He also died as us, as a representative, so that we can live free that we can live like we're forgiven, that we can live and celebrate the life that we've been given in him. Because you see, ultimately, what baptism represents is the great exchange. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, that's the picture that we have here. In baptism, we're united, and so that our life, our selfishness, our sin, that's buried away, but we're given a brand new life just as the person comes up out of that water like a new, a new person, like a resurrected being. We now have the life of Christ within us. It's a complete transformation. That's what God offers to us, and that's what we do in baptism. We represent that union that God has given to us that we're buried with him in baptism, but we rise to walk in newness of life. All right, that is more than enough for me. So what I want to do is I want to ask, first off, I want to ask Julio and Emma and Emilia, Mimi, to come up, and I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to let you share one at a time and uh, to share a little bit about why you're coming for, for baptism, and then we're going we're gonna to celebrate. And it's going to take a few moments to clear some things out of the way. But let me, before we do that, Julio and 
where, is, where are they all? Emma and Mimi, thank you. Come on, don't be bashful. All right. All right, th- that's perfect. Okay, first what I want to do is baptism is a commitment. It's not something that saves us, but it reflects what's already happened in our heart and our life, that you've already chosen to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so the first question that I have for each of you is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you desire to follow him as the Lord of your life? Yes, yes, yes. Woo! Yeah, that's a yes. All right. Very, very good. All right, well, now what I want to do is I'm going to give each of you a chance to share a little bit about what God is doing in your heart and your life. And so I'm going to have Julio go first, and you can, you can share as long as you want because I'll, I'll make sure that I don't go long after this. If you ladies want to have a seat there, I'll have um, Emma go second and Mimi go third. All right, Julio, step up there and share from your heart, my friend. So thank you. Uh, I'm very glad I'm, I'm here and that we can all meet together after such a long time. And I'm also glad because uh, I guess like uh, maybe two years ago, a little bit more than this, I didn't used to come to the church. And I'm really happy that uh, somehow I could meet some people that uh, could make me think maybe I, I could go there and, and see what is going on. So um, I'm, really, I'm really glad that I, I came here and I, I think uh, somehow every single Christian I met uh, planted something in me that could make, uh, made me uh, make this, this decision. So uh, I'm, really, I'm really thankful that I chose this church and I'm thankful for all the support that the church gave to me. And I'm, I feel really uh, more lighter than before. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful. And I, well, when I was born in Brazil, uh, I was baptized uh, um, since Brazil is a very Catholic country. But somehow when I grew up, I didn't, um, um, I didn't understand what, what this means. So uh, I'm really glad that I came here and, and I could found this in this church. And I'm very thankful for that. But we are so proud of you. Oh, Emma's coming up there right now. Emma, would you come and share with us about what God is doing in your heart and your life and why you're coming for baptism? Does this work? (laughs) So... Hi, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Emma Mraskova, and here's something a little bit about my life. So growing up, my parents told me about God and what he has done for us, and I accepted God in my life when I was apparently four years old, my mom tells me. Um, anyway, my, uh, I always loved God very much, and, but I never really realized what God has gone through for me, and I think I realized that when I was something around 10. Um, I absolutely didn't understand why he did that for us. I mean, we're so sinful and we're really bad people um, when we compare ourselves to God. 
Um, but the answer when I asked people why, the answer I always got was because of his love for us. Because God loves us more than anyone and anything in this world. And it was just so unbelievable how much our God has, how much love he has for us. And I thought to myself, wow, I never felt more love from anyone ever. And his love has to be huge because I never felt this much love. Later that year, I went to the camp that our our church organized, TCK camp. And that was the very first time that I felt the Holy Spirit. And I felt so free, so relieved. I felt sad but happy at the same time. I felt sad because I realized how sinful I am and how I can be so bad to God. But I was so happy that no matter how bad I am, no matter how sinful I am, God is always going to stick to me and he's always going to be with me and he's never going to let me go. So many people in my life that I cared about have left me and they just went and I was there like, why did you leave? I loved you so much. But God is the only one that has been there for me since the beginning. And he has never left me and he never will leave. So God is really my best friend. He is my best friend. Um, now, uh, I had a time where I didn't pray and I was just away and I like, fell a few stairs down from God. I didn't have this relationship with him. And I felt lonely. I didn't feel so happy. And I started really missing that love that I felt from him. So I started to pray again. I started to read the Bible. And I did, like, uh, the plan from the Bible app. And out of nowhere, I felt so much happiness. And I, and I felt relieved. And I felt like I had a purpose again. And I just... Uh, later that day, I just put my speakers on, I put worship music, and I was like, you know, kind of worshiping God, and it was just amazing. And later that night, when I went to bed, couldn't fall asleep, and I was thinking about the difference, how it was without God, and now with God. Without God, I felt so empty, so sad, that I didn't feel loved so much. But then with God, I felt like I had a purpose, and, and I felt loved, and... I felt amazing, and it was just like, wow, I, I want to feel this way all the time. I want to worship God all the time. I really want to be happy all the time. I want to worship God and keeping the door open for him 24-7 and letting him rule my life, and that's how I decided to get baptized and keep this promise to myself, this commandment, a whole new chapter of my life, a much better one than the last one. So that's a little bit something about my life. Thank you so very much, Emma. That was beautiful. It has been such a joy to watch you grow over the years. I remember when your sister was baptized and you did the dance here. It was so beautiful. It was so cool, an expression of worship. But watching you grow in your faith has been a treasure for all of us here at ICP. And so based upon the testimony that you have shared publicly and the evidence that we've seen in your life, it is with great joy that we baptize you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
If you'll grab a hold there. Buried with Christ in baptism, rise again to walk in newness of life. Emma, you're the first person who's ever dunked themselves that I baptized. It was so awesome. Yes, I was going, wow, I've got to keep up with you. It was so cool. Would you put your finger into the salt and touch it to your tongue? I want you to remember that flavor because Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. When he tells that to us, it's not just a verse that's kind of there. It's personal. It's intimate. He has a way that he's going to use your life as a witness and as a testimony that he won't use in anyone else. So remember what he's called you to do. And remember that he has called you, Emma, to be the light of the world. You will shine forth his presence, his love, his grace into everything that you do. May you shine brightly. We are so thankful for you. God bless you. And now, the amazing Mimi. <laughs> Hi. Also, first, I'd just like to thank you all for being here to um, share this special time with all of us. Um, and so, for those, many of you here actually have known me since I was three years old when we first moved here. Um, and for those of you you know, I did have a little bit of an issue with obedience. It was not my strong point. <laughs> Um, however, God did bless me with an amazing household to grow up in, where they loved me and they taught me about the Lord and how he loves us. Um, he blessed me with parents and grandparents and family, close family friends who love the Lord as much as I do and seek to magnify him in all they do, which enabled me to decide to follow him at the age of four, just like Emma. Um, and for as long as I can remember, God was always... A part of my life and there wasn't a day where he wasn't guiding me but there have been many days where I couldn't feel him and I didn't know he was there so over the last 15 years I've had to learn and I continue to learn that I need to quiet my soul and be still sometimes in order to hear him and see him so going back to the little obedience issue that I have it has taken me 15 years to truly give my life to God and realize that it's his anyways that he's going to do a much better job of managing it than I ever could, and that setting up my life by his promises will never bring me disappointment like the world does and can. And that having realized that I could never, ever be who I need to be in his presence, even for one minute, in my own strength. Jesus paid the price. He was born and he lived as a human, and he died a painful and publicly humiliating death. And then he rose again to save us, to save me. And because of his perfection, death could not hold him. And in that, paid the price of my sins so that I could be free of sin and fear forever. I'm so aware that I did not deserve this and I could not earn it. It is a gift that I cannot lose. And in order to obey him, and if in order to obey him, I need to stand in front of my church, in front of my brothers and sisters in Christ and the world, not just believing, but to publicly proclaim that I am his, then so be it. It doesn't get any better than that. 
okay? And if you are still thinking about baptism, like I said, we're going to do this again. We actually did it three weeks ago before we could meet together. And, you know, God has been busy during this time when we couldn't meet together. He's been, thank you, um, he, he's been doing amazing things. And so if you want to take this step of obedience, just send us an email. We would be honored to celebrate your life and your relationship with the Lord. Baptism is such a beautiful, beautiful picture. And Julio, Emma, and Mimi, thank you. Thank you for sharing your faith journey with us as a church. It is just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to see. Well, as baptism represents our union with Christ, the Lord's Supper or communion represents our life together, our relationship with Christ. But you see, just like a, a marriage has that moment where you're united and where you've made that commitment, it needs to also have points that draw you together, that help you remember the importance of that commitment. That's what communion does. God has given us this meal that we celebrate together as the body of Christ to remind us of Jesus, to remind us of the sacrifice that he gave for us, and to remind us of the assurance that we have in him. And so it's a beautiful thing. And, and since it's been such a long time, since we've been able to celebrate together, it is especially meaningful in this case. And so the Lord's Supper represents our communion or our fellowship with Jesus. The bread and the cup, in essence, are Jesus' wedding vows to you and to me. He made a covenant commitment to you and I. There are promises that he gave to us as followers of him that every time we come and eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we're reminded of these promises. Jesus called this the new covenant. And I want to show you from this scripture just, just a little bit of the benefits of this new covenant. What God had in mind when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you and me. And so I want to show you a passage of scripture that we find, um, sorry, it's just not working. In the book of Jeremiah, it says this, Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and by implication with everyone who trusts in the Lord. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. And I want you to notice the I will statements. You you know, when you have a a ceremony of marriage, it's traditional, at least in English, to to have the minister or the priest say the vows and then we make a commitment and we say, I do or I will. These are God's commitment to you and I as written in his word. Here's what he says. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, 
From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. This passage of scripture is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he said of the cup that we drink of at communion, when he says, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many. And he said, it is the new covenant. These are the promises that God has made to us when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And here are the benefits that come with those promises. First of all, it's a personal union with God. He says, they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. There is not a measurement when we come to the Lord. Every believer is absolutely equal in their faith because you're a child of God. There shouldn't be any comparison where we look at one person and say, oh, they're better than I am or, or, or they're worse than I am. There's no comparison. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. He wants you to know him. That's the covenant. That's the promise he's made of a personal union for everyone who places their trust in Christ with God. Secondly, he promises to change us, to transform us. He says, I will put my law within them. That means within our minds. He gives us an understanding of what life is all about. We live in an age where there's so much misinformation, so much confusion, And God's promise is is that he will guide us. He will transform our thoughts when we allow him to do so. He also promises to transform our character and our actions. He says in verse 33, I will write it on their hearts. He has written truth on your heart, on my heart. He's changing us. He's changing the way that we live. He's changing the way others see us. He's changing our character to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. And then he promises the thing that Jesus illustrated when he said that this cup was his blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He says the same thing here in Jeremiah. I will forgive their sin. God in his new covenant through Jesus Christ completely forgives us. Everything that we do wrong, There's nothing that we can do that will make God love us more. There's nothing we have done that makes God love us less. He forgives us in Christ Jesus. My guilt, your guilt, my sin, your sin is completely buried with Christ. He's forgiven us and given us a new relationship. But what's more, this is the part that sometimes when when I really reflect on it, it blows me away. Because an all-knowing God promises not only to forgive your sin, but he promises to forget your sin. Here's what he said. He says, their sin I will remember no more. He forgives us and promises to to completely forget it. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon says it this way, it is a wonderful thing when omnipotence overcomes omniscience. That means when the power of God overcomes the knowledge of God, when omnipotent love will not allow omniscience to recall their sin, I will remember no more. He did that because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is our substitute. He took our place and represents us in this covenant as well. Now, if you... you, 
have your Bibles open or we'll put on the screen, I want you to just turn over to the next chapter and look at a couple more of the promises and then we're gonna celebrate communion together. Jeremiah 32 goes on to talk more about this new covenant. Verse 38 says this, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. His promises can't not be broken. That's exactly what this means. That I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear or the knowledge of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. The assurance that we have there is we can't lose, just like, just like Mimi said a little while ago. We can't lose it because it's what God has done, not what we have done. And he promises us this in his word. He promises us communion with him, that we shall be his people and he is our God. These are God's vows to us in uniting us to him. He took the initiative. He took the action. He gives the promises. He has made this an everlasting covenant based not upon us, but upon his character and his word. And he goes on and not only gives us that relationship with him, but he gives us community as well. This is why this is something we celebrate together as the church. He says, I will give them one heart and one way. When we celebrate communion, we not only look back and remember Jesus' death, his sacrifice on the cross, his body that was given for us, his blood that was shed for us, we also remember that we are one in him, that we're united together. And the most powerful witness that Jesus Christ is who he says he is is when the people who've placed their trust in him live together in unity and show love to one another and give grace to those who do not yet know the Lord. That's the one way he's called us to, to reflect him beautifully. He gives us all this. That's what we celebrate in communion. The scripture tells us that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. The scripture says that he broke it and that he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this bread is my body which is given for you. He was initiating his promises and so he took this bread which represents, it's, it's bread without leaven. It's bread where you see the stripes that are, that are on it that represents the wounds that he would bear. The leaven that is not in it, that it's, it's bread without yeast represents his sinlessness. He's the only one who could offer his life as a substitute for us. And so when we partake of this bread, we are remembering the perfection of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life for us. He took this bread and he blessed it. Dear Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts right now to receive the bread and the cup, would you remind us of Jesus Christ? Would you remind us of his perfect, perfect life? Would you remind us of the incredible love that he has shown? Would you remind us of the suffering that he willing in, willingly endured for us to show us your love? And then, Lord, we ask that you would bless this bread 
and that you would bless each person that places it in their mouth as they eat it in remembrance of you. May they sense your presence. Where would you give them guidance and wisdom and understanding? Where there is fear, would you give them comfort? Where there is uncertainty, would you give them assurance? Lord, where there is steps of obedience that they need to take, things that they need to turn from, would you give them courage to place their faith more deeply in you? And then, Lord, also, as we eat this together, remind us that we are to reflect you to the world around us. You have called us to show others who you are, to show them your goodness, your grace, your holiness. So thank you, Lord, for the bread. The scripture tells us that on the same night, he also took the cup and he blessed it and he said as well that this cup is the new covenant, the covenant that the prophet Jeremiah was talking about. And this cup is my blood. It is poured out for you for the forgiveness of our sins, to cleanse us of our sin and also to clothe us, to cover us in his righteousness. That's what Jesus offers us in the bread and in the cup. And I want to encourage you to do this, to take a few moments to prepare your heart, to think about the covenant promises that God has made. He's chosen to unite himself to you and I, and he asks us to place our full faith, our full trust in him and to treasure him above everything else. And then he invites us all on the exact same level to come and celebrate as his children and to eat of the bread and to drink of the cup in remembrance of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift that Jesus Christ has given us. And even as Jesus prayed for the bread, we pray now also for the cup. We pray, Lord, that we will be reminded of how you have taken the initiative. You met us when there was nothing within us that was worthy of honor. We were selfish, self-focused, and yet you reached down and lifted us up to give us life. Lord, let us not take that for granted. Let us see the beauty of your love in a fresh way today and enable us, Lord, even as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, to then go forth from this place and show others your goodness, your grace, your truth. So, Lord, we come to you. We bow our hearts at the foot of the cross in remembrance of Jesus and ask that you would work in our midst in his great name. Amen.